1: Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest
0: news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into the November 5th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tally Remchuk filling in for Frank Saravalli on a beautiful Friday, Friday. Joined by former Buffalo Sabres AGM Steve Greeley. Grills, how's it going, man?
2: Great, Tyler. Great to be here. I feel like I got called up to the first line with you today. So this (laughs) this is a big show for us.
0: That is absolutely not how you should feel about having me fill in for Frank (laughs) on a show, but we got a ton coming up today. Ryan Pike from Flames Nation is going to join us in a few minutes, but first let's take a trip around some big stories around the league and throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And we'll start just like we did yesterday with the Vegas Golden Knights. On the day they acquire Jack Eichel, the Golden Knights get a 5-1 win over the Ottawa Senators, two goals from Jonathan Marsh. So they bring their record on the year up to 5-5-0. Steve, it's going to be a long time before they get really anyone meaningful back into the lineup with all the injuries they have. Is this team, as it sits right now, are they good enough to be a playoff team? And can they stay in the race? and basically kill enough time for some players to start getting healthy.
2: Yeah, Tyler, I think one thing that we forget is that rookie parties have not even started in the NHL yet. <laughs> so home ice advantage for Vegas is coming. Um, no, but seriously, at home, I think they're one of the strongest teams in the league. We talked about it earlier this week. I think they were like 21-5-2 and on home ice last year. And I do think that's going to keep going. Um, in their division, I see them as a top three team for sure, which which obviously gets them in. We've talked about the injuries with Stone and Patriotti and Carlson, all guys that are going to come back and help the team. But make no mistake, the addition of Eichel right now, though not playing, it gives the locker room a buzz. They know ownership and management are on their side to continue to add to this roster and try to make them, you know, a Stanley Cup contending team. I think one other thing that's, that's undercover here is There's a little bit of a goalie competition going on for the Swedish Olympic team. You got Leonard looking at Markstrom playing great in Calgary. Leonard wants to be the starter. So, hey, we we got some funny competition going on there. But again, I I think this team on paper, when healthy is a no-brainer that they're in. I think we can agree on that. I think they're going to get healthy enough that time will still be on their side. They're not going to be on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing that's going to really help them here is just you know, Edmonton and Calgary are sort of starting to separate themselves from the rest of the pack in this division. But like you saw on the standings page there, after that, everyone is really bunched up and together. And I'm not sure if that's going to change. I think what will really play into Vegas's favor is that those kind of six teams at the bottom of the division might just keep beating up on each other. And, you know, everything will stay tight. And then once they do get healthy and they do start to look like, you know, the dominant Vegas Golden Knights that we expect they'll look like, those last 25 games, you know, it'll basically be like, You said this to me earlier, like they loaded up at the deadline, right? So I think the rest of the division being so average will really keep the playoff race tight.
2: Absolutely. I agree. And hey, they're fun to watch right now because they're battling to stay in the mix. But I have no doubt at the end of the year, they're a team that other teams are be scared to play in the playoffs.
0: They'll be in Montreal tomorrow. We'll have a little bit more on that coming up in our Points Bet Minute later in the show. Up next, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, 10 days ago, it was pandemonium. In Toronto, the media was all over this team. They wanted to trade Mitch Marner. Everything was going crazy. And now you look, well, they've won four in a row. And last night, they beat the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. And you look at who got points there. Well, it's kind of all the guys who were under fire earlier in the year. Matthews picked up two. Marner picked up two. Tavares got, assi- or got one as well. And Neilander scored the OT winner. Steve, is this not just a classic example of we don't need to overreact to the first 10 days of the regular season all the time?
2: I mean it, it is such a perfect example and I think that the people that know that better than anyone are the players. I don't think Austin Matthews was very nervous, Mitch Marner wasn't very nervous, Tavares, Nylander, they're veteran players that are high-end world-class guys, they know it's going to come. Um, to me it's no surprise that they've started winning some games like we look at their last four, hey two against teams that are struggling in Detroit and Chicago we know we kind of know they're going to win those Now they get some big wins, Vegas and and Tampa Bay. So in the end, they're a talented group that knows they're going to score goals. They know how talented they are, you know, top to bottom on this roster. So I don't think the players were ever concerned. I think people on the outside, myself included, start wondering, oh, geez, where is this going? Take a step back. They know how good they are. Campbell's playing much better. He's playing well now. And let's face it, Tyler, we all know this is... All about April with this group. I think they're going to be in the playoffs for sure. But it's April, April, April. Who who are they going to match up against in the playoffs? Who are they going to Who are they going to play? That's what's really going to tell us. You know, how's this core going to do? Do they have a chance to win a couple of rounds? Are they a true Stanley Cup contender? Or are they just a team that gets in the playoffs? You know, that's what's going to be fun to watch. I think the first week overrated. Yeah, it,
0: it absolutely is, and I love the point you made about the playoffs being really all that matters. Like. I mean let's be honest austin matthews can score 65 goals this year and the leafs can win their division and have 110 points but if they lose in round one the season is still a failure
2: right yeah i i, I think that's where the pressure is the pressure is in the playoffs to win a yeah. few rounds and I, and I think there are going to be some difficult matchups so the matchup is like that's what i'm so curious to see who do they play a couple years ago was a tough one with columbus They've had some trouble with Boston. Who are they going to line up against in April? You know, is that when their core and their stars take the biggest step? And to your point, it's not like 55 goals or 60 goals for Austin, uh, for Austin. It's can he have 10 points in a seven game series? Can he can he help th- get this team over the hump? I, I, we know he's capable of doing it. Now it's just does this group have the cohesion to do it?
0: Speaking of Leafs-Bruins, that's exactly who Toronto will be hosting tomorrow night on Saturday night. Hockey, moving on to a couple of teams that are just running roughshod over the entire Eastern Conference. The Panthers are 9-0-1 after winning last night. The Canes are 9-0-0. The Panthers have a plus-19 goal differential. The Canes are plus-22. They're actually pretty far ahead of third in the Eastern Conference in that number as well. The Caps are plus-9, sitting in third. These two teams are going to go head-to-head tomorrow, Steve. And it's a great time to look at teams who are appearing to be the class of the Eastern Conference so far and going, which one of these is better built to potentially go on a long run this spring?
2: Well, it's a, it's a game period that I'm excited for and yeah. not even getting so far ahead to the playoffs. I think we're going to watch these two teams battle for a division title, I think, or for a conference title. I think they're going to be in the mix, not just for the next couple weeks. It's an all season thing for me. I think the Canes and I, what I start off with is I look at the centers and I see Aho, Trocheck, Stahl, and I compare that with Barkoff, Bennett and Lundell. Nothing slight against uh, Florida. They may have the best player there in Barkov, but I think overall the center depth for, for Carolina is just a little bit more. I also think Carolina can slide in um, Netches or Kotke and Emmy when they need to, which provides even more depth down the middle. One of the things for me, Carolina has more experience as a group. And what do I mean by that? Their team's been together a little bit longer. The core of that team, they've had some more playoff series. They're they're, they're another group that's really trying to get over the hump. I think ownerships shown Tom Donnan and Don Waddell as the GM that they're willing to go and add players to to try to take future steps. One of the things that's you know we haven't talked about is we know who Carolina's coaches. We know Rod Brindamore is leading this team. We know how they play for him. We know how effective their systems are. We're looking at Florida. There's no doubt they're going to make a great hire. But does the team gel quickly with this new coach? Is there some adjustments to new systems? Hey, maybe they keep it in-house and, you know, don't make that change. But that's something we got to monitor, and it's something, um, you know, a, a team's got to get used to, a, to their new coach, player coach, got to get used to their players. So, that's a little bit of an unknown for me, and it's one of the reasons I'm sticking with Carolina, kind of going uh, going the distance when, it, when we're comparing them to Florida.
0: Yeah, it's a great point you made on the coaching from Florida as well. I mean, that that's still up in the air right now. For me, the thing that stands out is just strength of schedule so far this year. I mean, the Panthers have already beaten Washington, <laughs> Tampa Bay, Colorado, Boston twice, and the New York Islanders. They've ran over some teams that, I mean that, that we thought at the beginning of the year would be cup contenders and that's been really Absolutely. impressive let's keep moving on here and get to the negotiator this is one of my favorite segments of the week and today steve we're going to dig in to 29 year old d-man john Klingberg. Klingberg, what you got for us
2: well as always tyler when we're doing these contract negotiations we have the agent comps and we have the team comps and i always laugh to myself as i do them because both parties end up hating you. The agent's not happy with what you think the team wants. The <laughs> team's not happy with what the agent wants. But the reality is that's what we do in this business. We have to come up with comps. So who's the agent looking at? He's looking at guys like Seth Jones. He's looking at Dougie Hamilton, Darnell Nurse the last couple of years. And, you know, we look at Seth Jones. 20, in the season, last year's season, 2021, 20, he finished 36th in the NHL with points per game. What did Klinberg finish? 13th. Klinberg plays more on the power play than Seth Jones. There's little things that Klinberg's camp, what do they do? They they pick out little things that helps his side. The team, I think, was helped last week with the Morgan-Riley deal. Uh, I thought that was a team-friendly deal. It was great for Morgan, but they're looking at Morgan-Riley's deal at eight years, 7.5. They're looking at John Carlson's deal, eight times eight. What Dallas is probably pushing back on here is, hey. At the time this extension clicks in, Klinberg's going to be 30 years old. They have their future number one defenseman, Amiro Haskinen. Uh, He's at 8.45. Do I think Klinberg's coming in above that? No, I don't. So the end, what I came down with is he'll get the eight years, which only Dallas can give him, uh, right? If he signs the UFA, he's not getting the eighth year anywhere else. That can bring the money down a little bit to 7.75. And one thing that you know, we haven't shown this graphic, but we'll have to get into this later in the year, is the taxes in taxes in Texas will favor a contract there than some other spots. So right now we got an eight years seven, at seven point seven five, and like anything, these numbers change slightly when other guys sign. Morgan Riley made me drop my number just a little bit, but this is where I'm comfortable today: eight years at seven point seven five.
0: Just quickly before we wrap things up, they're projected to have twenty three point one million dollars in cap space. They've already committed close to twenty million dollars to their defensemen next year without Klingberg being signed. Robertson's an RFA, Gurianov's an RFA, and they have a couple of UFAs as well that'll need to be taken care of. How confident are you Klingberg stays in Dallas?
2: Well, I think Klingberg, as a person and player, wants to remain in Dallas, which which helps in the negotiation. I think the team wants him to keep him there. For me. The defense is one of the strengths of their team. And you know, you picture that infomercial, infomercial where you rip off the patch of the tub and you get a new hole with water coming out. I don't know if they want to open that one and try to plug it somewhere else. So to me, when you have this good a player, he's a great person. You try to keep him in-house if you, if you can meet in the middle. And that's what I think they're working on right now.
0: Let's move on on the Daily Faceoff Show and get into a little All-32. Ryan Pike joins us this week on all 32 and Ryan I mean it's a great time to be working as as someone covering the flames because this team is making noise on and off the ice they're 6-1 and 2 they were one of the finalists in the Jack Eichel sweepstakes as well just simply put what's the buzz like around this team in Calgary right now
1: Uh, if I had to use a phrase I'd say cautious optimism I mean we've done this dance before in this market uh, three years ago in 1819. The flames were quite simply one of the, the most complete consistent outfits in the NHL up until they clinched a playoff spot right after, uh, St. Patrick's day in 2019. And then they were not great, but not terrible during the, the stretch drive. And then they sort of fell off a cliff in the first round against Colorado. And since then the flames have been really searching for sort of an identity, a stylistic identity, uh, so, you know, they haven't really had a lot of swagger or mojo in the last two years. And, for the you know, now that they have Daryl Sutter behind the bench with the full training camp, it seems like they've finally found that identity and that consistent uh, style of play they want. But, you know, in this market, I think fans, I think the, the watchword amongst fans is uh, we'll see how it looks in the playoffs.
2: <laughs> Ryan, that seems to be a theme today for us, talking about Toronto in the playoffs and all this stuff. But one question I have for you we saw the ICO rumors. You know, what what does Calgary need? If they're gonna to add to this team and try to take a run, you know, do they need center help? Do they need help on the bullion? line? Where's an area that you think they should focus on? And maybe there's a name or two that jumps out at you, guys that they could target towards the deadline.
1: Well, I, th- I think I don't think it's any coincidence that the the two guys the Flames have been linked to in the last couple seasons. You know, in twenty nineteen they were linked to uh, to Mark Stone and ironically lost that, those sweepstakes to uh, to Vegas as well. Uh, but I think they they're looking for that type of high end game breaking talent because all due respect to Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Gaudreau might not be that consistently enough. Uh, He was like that in 2019, but since then, he's sort of just been a very, very good hockey player rather than an elite hockey player. And I think the Flames are hoping at some point somewhere to find an elite talent, because that way everything sort of slots a little bit better. I mean, you know, if, if you add a Jack Eichel, your centers would have been, you know, down the middle. Lindholm, Backlund, and Monahan, along with Eichel when he got healthy, that's pretty formidable and a very tough uh, thing to match up against in, in a seven-game playoff series. Uh, if they add a winger potentially, then you know you could shuffle some bodies around. So, looking at some at some names that are rumored to be out there, I, I keep hearing that the Flames would seemingly be a good fit for Timo Meyer out of San Jose. I am not sure if San Jose would like to trade him within the division, but it's that kind of a player, somebody with some offensive pop and somebody that can sort of add a little bit more dynamism to their forward group.
0: Last one for you quickly here, Ryan. A lot's been made about this flame start. You know, the word, is it it sustainable? That's the big question that keeps getting brought up and the Lindholm shooting percentage, the Mangiapane shooting percentage, Markstrom's playing out of his mind. You know, an 82-game season usually tends to even out those kind of things. For you, when this team is kind of evened out, what are they capable of? Is this a team who's just going to get into the playoffs and get bounced in the first round? Or when we look at that team on daily face-off and the way they're lined up, are they good enough to
1: go on a deep run here? I think the the thing that I like about the Flames, I, and I would go back to last night's game against Dallas as an example, uh, the start players weren't difference-makers last night at even strength. The, the, the Flames' top six— has been superb at times, but like you mentioned, has been riding sky-high shooting percentages. That wasn't quite there last night. But what ended up helping them was that they've upgraded some of their depth positions where, you know, you because of the additions they've made, some shuffling they've made, you have a Sean Monaghan to win key face-offs on the fourth line. You have uh, Milan Lucic down in the fourth line. You have, you know, ex- some experienced guys who played some games in Nikita Zadarov on the third pairing rather than having to throw in some kids. And so – They've been able to so far eke out points in games where they might not have been perfect and their stars might not have been amazing, but they've gotten enough out of everyone else that they've had a chance to win and they managed to, you know, get those clawback points. Uh, I think over the course of the season, the the upside for the Flames is they've been a team in the past that have gotten behind both in games and in seasons early and had to chase. And they've had to basically lean on their star players way too much as a result. Uh, Over the course of the season so far, they've managed to get some early leads and that's allowed them to sort of, you know, spread things out and balance out a bit, and not burn out the best players. And, The fact that they have 15 points after the first 10 seasons means that instead of having to play nearly 600 point percentage hockey from here on out to make the playoffs, it's a little bit easier. And so when they do have those percentages regress on them, you know, they're not in a position now where a bad weekend pushes them entirely out of the playoff picture. And I think they're really going to relish having that breathing room down the stretch.
0: Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Appreciate your time, man. This has been all 32 on the Daily Faceoff Show. Steve, let's get into our inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO. If you have a question for us, send it in on Twitter and you could be featured next week. We're sticking in Alberta for this one, Steve. McDavid and Dreisaitl, what will they end the year with from a points total perspective? And here's a little background info. Right now, McDavid, 19 points in nine games. He's on pace for 63 goals and 109 assists. Dreisaitl, he has nine goals and 11 assists this year. He's on pace for 82 goals and 100 assists. Yeah, they're not doing that. They'll slow down eventually. But what do you think here? What what are the
2: point totals that you have in mind for these two? Well, you, you almost hate betting against these guys, right? You hate saying, Oh, they yeah. can't keep doing it. But you're right. You know, Leon, he's shooting at twenty-nine percent right now. That that cannot maintain. Connor McDavid's shooting percentage right now is fifteen percent. Honestly, that if you look at his history, he can maintain it. So he's had years sixteen, seventeen, fifteen. 15 he, he can maintain the shooting percentage, obviously leading to points, but uh we have to knock these numbers down so i'm knocking connor down to about a 1.78 points per game that gets into 146 which is i think 15 more than i predicted to start the year i knocked dry idle down to uh, 135 which is about 1.64 points per game those would be massive years there will be a dip at some point for these guys production wise but it, it's hard to pick when that comes right like when did these guys get cool? I don't know. Let's see. It's a three-game stretch. with still a point per game. So, I don't know. I'm going Connor at 146, Dreisaitl at 135. Um, don't tell them because I don't want them to ever hear anyone betting against them. <laughs>
0: I'm going a little bit higher than you. I'm going to project that they both hit the 50 goal mark. And I got McDavid at 52 goals and 105 assists. I think he crushes that 150 mark and gets real close to two points per game. And for Dreisaitl, I think he'll break the 55 goal mark. And at the beginning of the year, I didn't think he would either. I thought we we might see a little bit of a regression in the goal scoring department because the expectation was Settle would be playing away from Connor McDavid. Now, that hasn't always been the case, and their power play is dynamite, but I got Dreisaitl at 56 goals and 90 assists on the season, and uh, we will see. It'll be fun to watch those two continue to light it up this year and potentially do something historic. This is usually the part of the show where Frank throws to me, but now I will throw to me for the points bet, best bet segment. And uh, another great night last night, 2-0. and I've nailed eight of my last 10 bets. I'm 26, 11 and two on the year plus 12.2 units. And I'm not, I, you know, I'm not getting greedy here, Steve. I'm keeping it light Ooh. tonight. Only one game. Ooh. I like it is Friday, but it is a great day to make some money off of the Arizona coyote. So let's take a look at the line courtesy of our friends at points bet. You know, Anaheim's not as big of favorites as I thought they would be in this game. Minus 186 on the money line, plus 145 on the puck line. I'm going to meet this one right in the middle. I'm going to take the Ducks to win tonight. They're hosting the Coyotes in regulation. It's paying out minus 115. I mean, getting the Coyotes to lose in regulation at close to even money is tremendous value. And on top of that, Anaheim's been playing good recently. They won four nothing against New Jersey. They've won two in a row. They got points in four straight, and it's been about Three weeks now since they've lost a game by more than one goal this ducks team knows how to stay close and john gibson isn't the confirmed starter yet but if he is i love this bet even more the coyotes are bad we've been making a lot of money off them so i like going right back to the arizona to lose tonight ducks in regulation minus 115 as we head into the weekend though a couple of games for saturday i'm keeping my eye on arizona's playing back-to-backs they got to play seattle on saturday Keep an eye on that line and also Vegas and Montreal. I think I kind of like Vegas to keep rolling because Montreal is sputtering along once again here. So keep it locked on my Twitter as well. Keep it locked on PointsBet, and I'll have a couple of updates on those tomorrow. Steve, it is time for Frank's favorite segment of the show. It's the the only time he said he'd tune in today, so you better bring it. It's garbage time. What you got? (laughs)
2: Well, you know, today with everything that's gone on in the last week, major trades and the hockey world, major trades, extensions. One of the things I wanted to talk about is just the art of a deal. Whether you're talking about a contract extension, a new contract, a trade, these take not just days and weeks, they take months. And Frank and I talked about it all the time. What's happening here? Doesn't seem like anything's gonna happen. How all of a sudden does Morgan Riley sign his extension kind of out of the blue? How does Adam Fox sign his extension when the team's in Seattle? You know, it's hard to predict when these things are gonna come, but what I can tell us as fans and media is they're constantly being worked on. And eventually you hit a tipping point. You hit a boiling point that is often very difficult to predict. Trades might have the trade deadline, Contract extensions might have a July 1st date on them, but we still never know when these are going to come. And I think that's one of the things for us as fans keeps it exciting. All of a sudden massive Jack Eagle trade on a Thursday an Adam Fox extension while the team's on an off day in Seattle. So you can never predict when these are going to come, but it's one of the things that makes the game fun for us. There's big moments coming in the hockey scene all the time and in all of sports. So never hold your breath when something's going to happen next. And if you don't, that's how you get surprised. Boom. There's a deal. And here's hoping to next week. Maybe we see a Klindberg extension or something else. But we know this. There's more big trades and more big deals coming this year. and And that's going to keep giving us something to talk about, Tyler
0: just gonna make sure we didn't miss anything today then with that being said and it looks like oh we are good a couple nuggets of information brady kachuk announces the 10th captain in ottawa senators history patrick liney put on ir he's gonna miss a month to two months with i believe an oblique strange so a couple of little nuggets there as we head into the weekend steve it was a blast doing the show with you man enjoy your weekend
2: thank you talk to you soon tyler thanks for watching the daily face-off show make sure you hit subscribe on our youtube channel to never miss an episode